Welcome to the, the Youth, youth ministry, ministry in Motion podcast. The number one youth ministry podcast on the planet. The show that keeps you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. Now, here's your host, author, speaker, and trainer, Paul Turner. What is happening, youth workers? Hope that you're doing well today. Glad you could join me for another episode of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast. And uh, I am looking forward to today's episode. I hope that you are too. If you're brand new to the podcast, thank you for checking it out. And if you're a regular, well, then you know how this thing works. We kind of chat, we talk. Maybe I'm doing an interview. Maybe I'm talking about principles of youth ministry. Maybe I'm talking about soul care. Who knows? But today I have an interview with Glenn Kaiser. And if you're old enough, you may recognize that name from a band called Resurrection Band or Res Band. And uh, Glenn is a fantastic human being. And uh, be honest with you, I I make no uh, bones about it that I'm a fanboy of Resurrection Band. And this was a passion project interview. I just reached out and said, listen, Glenn, you've been around a long time. You've you've been in the music business a long time. And I would love to hear from you about youth ministry and growth and all those things. And it's a great interview. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, But I want to get into the motion metrics. That's right. Motion metrics is about who's listening and where they're listening from. And uh, I want to give shout outs to the top cities listening. Uh, Rio de Janeiro, Welcome in Rio, uh, Roseville and Temple. Uh, these are uh, cities that I'm not familiar with. I don't know what state they're from, but if you're listening in Roseville and Temple, thank you for being here. And uh, don't forget to go over to the uh, new Facebook group, uh, the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast Facebook group. We can go over there and share. I would love to hear from you. Come on over and tell us a little bit about where you're listening from and uh, what is your role in youth ministry. What are you doing wherever you're at? Top countries include Brazil, since I just said Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, Brazil, you're in the mix. And brand new to the podcast, Hong Kong. Welcome in, Hong Kong. So glad you could be here and uh, and listening. I hope you're doing well in your country. And so today, uh, I want to read a review. And this review uh, taught me a little bit. It, it, it taught me something. So I want to thank uh, God's good for leaving this Uh, review here and it says i appreciate your tone you take youth ministry seriously but keep it developmentally appropriate thank you you don't make youth workers feel like we're part of a circus but engaged in real meaningful ministry thank you god's good that's exactly what i am shooting for in this podcast Uh, like i said you don't spend 30 plus years uh in the ministry or in youth ministry and uh and take it uh, lightly uh at least you shouldn't and i don't and so that's why i want to deliver to you guys uh, what you guys need and maybe some things you didn't even know you needed so that's kind of the purpose of the podcast so um once again thank you for coming in and being a part of the show today uh, i want to jump right into the interview it is a bit lengthy but i don't apologize for that uh, number one because i got to talk to glenn kaiser one of my childhood heroes uh, but you know you're going to listen to some of this interview and you're going to say paul now what does this really have to do with youth ministry well i would say everything this is not so much an x's and o's podcast which is uh, what i like to do sometimes i'll, I'll break down some principles uh, some strategies things like that but today today is just about the core realities of things like community authenticity honesty and that's what glenn brings today he brings uh, over 40 years 
maybe 50 years of just living in community. He lives in a community called uh, Jesus People USA in Chicago. And uh, that is a, like you think of the old 60s commune where people dedicate themselves to living and serving together, not in a weird way, but in a communal way. And so he brings that to the table today of, of living that lifestyle in community with other believers, serving the people of his community. And as you're listening today, like I said, you may wonder, well, what does that have to, listen, maybe this isn't about your youth ministry as much as it is about you and how you serve your youth ministry. And like I said, this is a lengthy interview and some of the clips I just didn't, I didn't use, uh, but I'm going to post them separately up over on the Facebook group. So I would love for you to come over there, listen to a few of those clips. Uh, some of it, one is a great story uh, about uh, Resurrection Band and them playing at a chicken place in the parking lot earlier in their days. And it's a great, great little story. So I hope you go over there and check it out and uh, join the community, uh, share your voice. And let's wrestle with some of these things. Let's wrestle with some of the, the bigger issues that we're dealing with in our own lives, in our ministry, uh, you know, with our students, uh, because I think the struggle is what it's about. The struggling with it, the wrestling with it and working those things out is, uh, is super important to our own spiritual development. So that is it for my little spiel there. Let's jump into the interview and let's talk to Glenn Kaiser. Welcome in, Glenn. Thank you so much for being here, and uh, we're going to jump right into it. Why don't you just give us a little, give everybody a little background uh, of maybe how you came to faith in Christ? My my background is pretty. I mean, I can I can keep it simple and short by saying that I I grew up in farm country in rural South Central Wisconsin. Uh, a whole lot of German immigrants, um, hardworking people, ended up. Uh, in Milwaukee after my parents divorced. Uh, they divorced at nine, which was one of the most devastating things that I ever experienced. Um, and uh, my mother committed adultery. And a lot of that happened because my dad got sick. He had a series of operations. We couldn't pay the bills. Um, she ended up down in the city in Milwaukee and got involved with another man and blah, blah, blah. So I ended up uh, 12 years old, uh, Bugged my mom, got a guitar, started playing, learning how to play, really self-taught, and uh, sang. And first band, I was 13, started writing songs at 13, toured all over uh, Wisconsin, regional, you know, northern Illinois, regional stuff. Uh, did a lot of shows in the Milwaukee area and uh, throughout the Wisconsin, you know. Um, came through dope sex music. Uh, Addicted to everything you could do, every drug, anytime I could do it, uh, except for heroin. I was not into needles, and I was right at the edge of shooting when I came to the Lord. And and then uh, alcohol, every time I could drink, and every sexual experience I could have with anybody or about anything. So in terms of addiction and uh, nominal Christian, uh, in terms of uh, up in Wisconsin, in those days, you were either Lutheran or Catholic, and those guys didn't look any different to me the way they treated each other so <laughs> all true. of these changes right yeah. and um and i came to the lord just before i turned 18 uh about two weeks before my 18th birthday everything began to change and the next nine months was a roller coaster sure but i realized immediately as my wife did who i met at the end of that year there are a lot of other glens 
and Wendy's running around out there going through the same mess. Her background was church with a godly, real deal mama and an alcoholic, adulterous father uh, and um, an abusive grandfather who had been a pastor for many years and ended up imprisoned over it. So, you know, it's a mixed bag of my own experience. And all of that figures into the lyrics I've written, figured into Resurrection Band, uh, GKB, the three-piece blues rock group, and that I lead and also my solo stuff. So that's 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 sort of the longer, sure. believe did, it or not, shorter form. Right. What was your experience or did you have any experience with when you were young and going through that? Had you attended a youth group or been involved? I mean, did, did youth ministry play a part in you coming to know the Lord or was that, was that something outside of youth ministry? Well, it is interesting. You wouldn't call it youth ministry uh, so much in, in my case, and it could have been anybody, right. Or it could have been any denomination or any, you know, Christian group or what have you, uh, nominal Lutherans. Um, and twice in my life. And, and the second time I'll tell you first, uh, after they divorced and I ended up with my mom in Milwaukee I had a friend who was going to Saturday uh, catechism classes at the local Lutheran church. And we were supposedly Missouri Center Lutherans, although there was never, I mean, I got baptized as an infant. I remember seeing the pictures of it um, or a young, you know, young, very young boy. Sure. And um, we had nothing. I mean, we didn't go on, on Christmas, Easter. The only time I ever remember going into any church ever. And I was once, I think when somebody got married, I don't even think I went to a funeral in a church, right? So it was nothing, right? And this this guy, my classmate, kept bugging me to come. So I went on Saturday, and I went for a while. And to, to be honest with you, I, I you know, where's your mom? Well, she doesn't care. And so I'm, I put my little white shirt on and a, and a fake tie, you know, the only tie I had. Yeah. And uh, a long story short, I heard a lot of information, and it was solid and Bible information, I'll never forget one day out of nowhere. I'm nine years old, and I looked up at the cross, which was, was kind of like an L-shaped church. And I see the cross, and I, what I kept going through my head is, what about him? Because I wasn't hearing a lot about him or how to know him in a real way. And I got up and left before the youth, the little kid sermon ended. Um, never went back. Prior until I came to know the Lord, that's a whole other story. And the earlier version, I was about six up in Wisconsin when some sweet gray hair old ladies came by and invited, you know, hey, do you have any kids this age? We have this vacation Bible school. There'll be about six sessions. Okay, very long story short. I could tell you a few things about that one, but they were sweet folks. The kicker was every kid at the end of it needed to memorize one scripture. And if you did, they gave you a little pen that looked like a baseball bat, uh, but it was a pen, right? And I right. was into the Milwaukee Braves. That's how old I am. Wow. Back then. And, and then uh, a little Gideon's New Testament and Psalms. So I, I was, it was John 3.16. Sure. The night that I came to the Lord, I was alone, totally alone. Um, I think I'd been witnessed witness to once in a shopping mall when I was trying to figure out how to get some dope. Um and a couple of skinny kids came up, and one never said anything. I'm sure he was praying. And the other guy just said, God only sees two kinds of people. You know him or you don't. You're walking with Jesus or you're, or you're not. You know, he gave me a tract that said about the same thing. He said, I'm not going to give it to you if you're not going to read it. I'm like, yeah, cool. 
so the punchline the punchline was that those sweet gray-haired old ladies that hauled me to that little summer VBS yeah are the reason but major part of it, because that night when I prayed it's a long long story but God showed up in my life over about four months to the point of ridiculous <laughs> and that final night he showed up in about oh I could list nine or ten different things that happened within the space of two hours and I'm like standing in my kid mother's kitchen right and I ought to know where I did. Who are you? Who are you? I know you're here. I know you're trying to talk to me. I don't get it. Boom. John 316. Wow. For God so loved me for the first time, me. And, and it was like, what? You're getting ripped off. You know, it's, this is, this is the worst one-sided deal. I wouldn't make this deal with me. You know, small time dope dealer. I mean, just, I was an idiot. I was a jerk. <laughs> I treated people like everything revolved around me. And so anyway, that verse flashes through my head. I am absolutely dumbfounded. And I just broke down and started weeping. And I, I tell you, I cried about a half dozen times in my life until that night. I just, I was determined nobody was going to knock me down. I'd been hurt enough by enough people. And I saw the train wreck of what was called family in my life. And not just my family, but a lot of my friends' family. So anyway, there you go. So, yeah, it was two weeks before my 18th birthday. And, uh, well, we can go on from there. Well, yeah. and But I want to hear the rest of the story where the guy gave you the track and you threw it in your drawer. Well, it, it, the fact that somebody had the guts to even approach me. You know, th these were really conservative guys. I mean, they weren't wearing, wearing suits, buzz cuts, and string ties or any of that. Although nowadays you could be in a band, you know, Elvis Costello. Or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, very. it could be very groovy you know, pop, but, but anyway, and I, I had a pair of black leather pants on my hair was halfway down my back. And I, I mean, I was like, these people just got off a spaceship or something They, you know, <laughs> they're so conservative. So, I mean, but yeah, I, I event, that was one of the things that I popped open that drawer and just had a read. And essentially it just said, God, God only sees saved and unsaved. You know, you, you know him or you don't, you walk yeah. with him or you don't, you're in relationship with him or you're, or you're not. And, and uh, that was one of the, the little sort of, what can I say, uh, the blip on the radar that like, wow. Do you think that's still the approach today? I mean, is youth ministry a little too soft when it comes to approaching people? <laughs> well, well, honestly, Paul, in, in, in Resurrection Band, in Res Days, during the Jesus Movement, our, the first show we ever did, and boy, we're, and we were horrible. Trust me, it was had to be the Holy Spirit that touched people because we were honest to God. We were technically speaking, and on every in me, me after years of playing in bands and gigs, all you know, something like thirty, I don't know, thirty-five people showed up, and half of them made commitments to the Lord at the end of the night. Well, it was not uncommon to see you know eleven, twelve hundred people in a room wherever. And half of them make serious, I mean, breakdown, weeping, which, you know, whatever, emotions are emotions. But sure. we saw some nights three quarters of the place uh, pray to surrender. And that's the prayer I called people to pray. I mean, I, to me, it was never a matter of raw, pray the prayer, poof, you're a pumpkin, you sit in the patch and wait for Jesus to come take you home. It's a, <laughs> it's a relationship. Yeah. But that's the punchline. Yeah. I mean, there's a zillion modes of communication. Sure. We're doing one now. And yeah. when it works, it works pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, 
I'm convinced that one-on-one relationships, especially in our day, one-on-one relationships where you build a bridge and, and you're honest about your own struggles, temptations, and sin. As a Christian, I don't care how old you are, when you have the guts to, to walk in real humility, not pretend, or I pray for to be home, you know, do it because of love for somebody who doesn't know the Lord who, or, or who is a, who has fallen away. There's a pile of people that we would say have lapsed faith. You know, they, the church burned me. Well, partially true, totally true. You burned them, you know, wherever you go, there you are. You know, blame. There's enough blame. We've all sinned and fallen short. We continue to. And if we're not honest about that as Christians, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, the people when I when I, I do blues concerts a lot. I mean, I, I I've gone back to the earliest blues R and B kind of vibe. I don't just do that. I do rock. I do, of course, res band was, you know, very hard rock, pretty intense. But that blues stuff that came out of me largely, and it's because that's what I grew up loving, playing, listening to. And so it's the I think it's in many ways at times at least when I play when I write, the truest as to who I am. And I think when people pick up on Anybody who's watching or listening to this, you got to be who you are. You can't pretend to be somebody else, you, whoever your favorite preacher or musician is. And I think it's one-on-one, maybe small groups on occasion, whatever. But I think one-on-one, when somebody watches your life and they realize, you know, this guy doesn't think he's perfect. He knows he's a mess in areas or struggles or he's been honest about his temptations and his, his flaw, his sin, his issues her or her, you know. When I see them, I see an integrity level that I don't normally see. And sometimes I think we Christians, especially in leadership, are working so hard to present and it becomes performance. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not from the heart uh, with a sense of genuineness and, and honesty about one's own struggles. Or we tell stories. I mean, if all I did was, quote, my 50-year-ago salvation experience what what about now what about what am i wrestling with today what is jesus trying to do in my life now am i willing to be that honest and humble and i think sometimes there's an attitude among christian leaders and and by i won't get into this but you don't have to be a hardcore calvinist or reformed in your theology i mean really hardcore and many many reformed people don't think this way but many do you know, if they're going to come to the Lord, they will. If they were not predestined, they won't. I'm sorry, I don't go there. But even if I did, the idea that every time we are trying to reflect Jesus and be a witness, we have to make the fail. I don't. I never bought that. I don't. I don't believe it. Uh, if all you're trying to do is get me to pray a prayer, self, man, people prayed those prayers, and were surprised at what happened later. But a whole lot of folks. Nothing happened, and they just said words to get somebody off their back. So, so to me, it's it's got to go. And I'm an evangelist at core. Before I'm a pastor, really, before I'm a musician, I'm an evangelist. But I'm telling you, in this day, and we were talking youth ministry, they have heard it and heard it and heard it, and they have heard all sorts of people proclaim. What where they stand politically, where they stand on one or any number of. Uh, social issues or political issues or whatever. 
I mean, it's no mystery to me. So when I when I go into oh Sturgis uh, bike rally or Daytona or all over the bike rally, I I, I serve as a volunteer chaplain with a, a team at Cook County Jail in Chicago. When I I'm I, I'm I'm a volunteer chaplain there at uh, at Stateville Prison. I've been all over the prisons in Illinois, Ohio, Alaska, overseas, uh, several foreign countries. When I talk to people and I'm listening and I'm interacting with people, whether it's a room full or one-on-one, you know, in those situations, they've heard it all. Oh, they've heard it a thousand times. How, how do you live your life? And how can you best convey the love and the compassion and the, and the, and the humility that Christians sometimes think, speak, and act like idiots, because we do, and we are at times. <laughs> and instead of that kind of, of vulnerability, which really disarms and opens people up to at least consider the gospel of Jesus, if you're not willing to go that deep, get another job. There's always a need for, I'm not kidding you, there's always a need for more garbage men. There's always a need for people that can, you know, fix a, fix a toilet or something. I mean, you know, those are... It, you know, I'm 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 only half joking. I'm serious. No, so I know you're get serious. Get the heck out of the minute. Yeah, the the you're yeah. you're so right, Glenn. And then, let me tell you what it was your it was really Resurrection Band's authenticity, because you guys were when I was growing up. Uh, I grew up from a from an alcoholic family. Uh, all those things. It was Resurrection Band's, and when when there would be Wendy's rap or Glenn's rap on the album. Uh, that drew me in. I was like, these guys are about as real as they can be. And that had a really a big impact on, on my spiritual development about the honesty and, and the rawness of the gospel, really. Jesus said, count the cost. And sometimes we're so focused on, hey, man, eternal life, greatest joy you'll ever experience. You praying for a godly, handsome husband, a godly, handsome wife? Hey, 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 you know, basically the ice cream truck has pulled up, the bell's ringing, the little song's going around, you know what I mean? Just like, yeah. they don't do it as much. Well, now with COVID, they ain't doing it much at all anywhere. Look, Paul, we wrote songs about, about racism, the failure of success, the troubles in Northern Ireland, and apartheid, right? I mean, yeah. we dealt with issues, and I, I wrote lyrics, and we co-wrote with others throughout the, the, the band. It wasn't to... You know, every song, look, John 3.16 is why I'm a Christian, right? Guess what? John 3.16 shows up once in the entire Bible when Jesus said it in John 3, verse 16. Now, he said it in other ways, and Paul and James and John, and you see it in the Old Testament as well, you know, and so on. Got that. But a relationship with Jesus is a life and a commitment, and it is a relationship, and it involves a cross, and it involves death to self, not you know, belly up to the bar, it's open forever, you know, nothing but ice cream, nothing but cake, nothing in my case, but hot sauce, although I just had a bunch uh, on my eggs, but, you know, it's, but, you know, it's just people, people get so focused, it, it's the kingdom of self, not the kingdom of God, and, and this is the problem in the church, and it's always been, I mean, man, you read through the Old Testament, uh, and ground swallowed people up all the time. Why did God? Do, God couldn't love Israel and the Jewish people anymore. Nobody could love them now or then anymore. And, and they were in exile about seventy percent of the Old Testament. Yep. Come on, Gentile Christians like myself, 
who've been grafted in the vine, who've come to the Lord in faith by his mercy, need to grow up. And, and the problem is, is instead of talking honestly, even in the church, and I don't mean every sermon's a John the Baptist, you know, boom, boom, boom. And everybody we're, we're talking to that are believers aren't, you know, aren't Pharisees and Sadducees sure. and knuckleheads. But the idea that somehow pie in the sky when you die and pie in the sky now, full stop, end of discussion. Wait a minute. Jesus said, if any if anyone would come after me, must follow him. He must deny himself, pick up his or her cross daily and follow him. And I just think sometimes we are so concerned about making the sale, getting another backside in the seat or on the Zoom tele, you know, broadcast or whatever it is, you know, yeah. uh, buy our albums. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> ah, you know, and for me, it was like, are you kidding me? So, I mean, really? That's it, huh? It's, it, it sounds to me like it's all about you, not about Jesus or about them, about the people that you're supposedly serving with whatever it is you're doing. I don't care if it's youth ministry or in a band or I don't care if you work for the post office. None of that matters. God's called us to, to reflect Jesus Christ if we're truly followers of Jesus. What would Jesus do is not as dumb as it sometimes is put out to be as a question, you know, and I don't always know the answer, by the way, and I don't think anybody does. A Christian, well, he just retired. Uh, he's got a bit more hair than me, and he's a bit younger. In fact, his name is Glenn, uh, with one in, and I was, I happened to be at a, oh no, mega church, oh God help us. That mega church was going in regularly, and still does, and he, he basically ran up to me and said, res band, Thank you for coming and bringing your blues today with GKB, blah, blah, blah. He petitioned me to come with him and their team into Cook County Jail, and I've been doing it ever since. Now, Rez Band played there a bunch way years before. I did solo shows there years before. But here was a guy who related to the band, and years later bumps into me. He realized who I was and part of this crazy band. Well, so I would rather be with 10, I mean, Sometimes I've been in front of 300, 400, 500 inmates. I would rather be there any I don't care who knows about it. I don't have to tell everybody and you know, through social media. I sometimes mention what I'm doing and I let people know, but it, it, it's not about a brag. Some other guy jumped up in one of the social media points yesterday. He says, you know, I can't believe you only have X number, you know, of people in your social media. I don't care. I could care less. <laughs> What is, you know, Jesus, look, Jesus leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. And his idea of math is quite different from many in the church, certainly in the Western church, certainly in the American churches. We are so self-focused, so myopic. And I think that at core is what messes us up when it comes to connecting. I, I'm thinking of that. Michelangelo on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel where God's finger is touching, yeah, the human finger. We, how do we make contact, honesty, integrity, talking about the issues, asking questions, listening, studying? Don't cross a border without knowing who those people are, without doing your homework. You're, no, you're 100% right. The, the church, uh, and especially with, you know, uh, whether it's knowing people who are in jail or knowing people who are homeless or, you know, we really don't have as a church, we don't really have an idea of how to relate to that. So why don't you tell me how Jesus People USA 
and you guys are doing it on the north side of Chicago. All right. Well, I'll start with me because it's simple. Put on the the mask, took my guitar and a little amp, battery-powered amp, pulled out a folding chair right in front of the house on Wilson Avenue, gangbangers on both ends of the street, pedestrians, you know, passersby. A lot of folks in, in, in this part of Chicago know who we are, know what we do. They understand we have a little under 400-bed homeless shelter that we operate. Everybody's coffee, which really is everybody's coffee. One of our slogans is filter, filter coffee, not people, building relationships. So I come out with a guitar, and sometimes I don't sing or anything. I mean, I don't have a PA anyway, but I don't, not there. But I just, you know, electric guitar, cigar box guitar, play some blues, blue some riffs, bring on a harmonica with a, with a microphone, you know. People come by, pet their dogs, you know. A couple of our guys bring out a couple of water dishes for the dogs, say hello to people. Couple guys came out. One guy came out and stuck a little folding table, a card table up, and it sat sat down in a chair. And he had a little sign. And all it said was, "I'll listen." Another guy at one point, free free prayer. They all know, or most of them do. And if they don't, they stop and I'll go. What? On Sunday, uh, our fellowship has the vigil. Unfortunately, we have a very high stack of names on about a three foot by two two and a half foot card uh and we have a lot of names and these are people that have been shot and killed by police or vigilantes they're all people of color largely black some hispanic and uh we just stand literally on the edge of the street all the way down the block on both sides neighborhood people join us uh some from other churches have joined us and people look at all these names and if they start thinking about they've heard those names before some of them and uh, on the back, we have a little card with a paragraph of what happened and how they were killed. So standing in solidarity, and all of a sudden, I'm in a conversation with yet another white or black or Hispanic or someone else, people of color, who come down and go, what's this all about? And I end up in a conversation. And uh, I'll say things sometimes like, hey, it only took us 400 years. You know, white folks. See, so, you know, but again, you got folks, I understand, you got people listening to this, watching this, who are going, man, racism, it doesn't exist. Well, it doesn't exist in your life, you're white, right? Uh, but in the practical sense, I get what you mean. Paul talks about this in principle when he speaks about Jews and Gentiles in Romans chapter two, three, four. You know, it's not like the scripture doesn't speak to these issues, but Christians often don't, because it's not on my front lawn. And by the way, I don't want it on my front lawn. Well, my front lawn, we don't have a front lawn. We have a sidewalk and a street, you know. Yeah. So you go out and you sit down with a guitar. You, you, you bring up water dishes for people's dogs. You say hello. You get to know people by name. You ask questions. You listen. They ask you questions. I can't even tell you how many conversations that little thing. Uh, everybody's coffee. Uh, now, this year, and this is a, a simple, right? And it's kind of a cheap shot, but it was freezing cold on uh, on Christmas Eve. But one of our, we have a number of worship leaders in the in Jesus people. And so a bunch of people bundled up. Everybody had their gloves on and their hats and all the rest of it, lined up socially distanced with masks on, all in front of everybody's coffee, which is right across the street from our main building. And these folks that have been standing out there holding visual uh, names Sunday after Sunday for in all kinds of weather. 
are standing out there in the freezing cold and snow, put a bunch of lights up, and she, one of our worship leaders, they put a PA out uh, on the roof, uh, which is, there's a low roof as well as we're a 10-story building there across the street with a bunch of beautiful lights and for an hour sang carols to our neighbors. Uh, when I go into the jail, I typically put a, have a little, uh, small little sheet of paper. Now they may sneak off somewhere and roll it up and, you know, put together a joint with it, you know, uh, yeah. in some corner of the jail, if they, you know, which, you know, so I know more about jails and prisons than you, than you want to know. <clears throat> but they end up in those situations where they're not going to get released, but they don't know of any safe houses. They don't know of any job opportunities uh, for prisoners, for ex-felons. A lot of these people have lost everything. So one of the ways I link is I bring a pile of these in my pocket. There's no restriction against handing out these. And they're, they're, they're names, phone numbers, uh, web uh, connection. Uh, and they can get a hold of us, of our shelter, of any number of people. There's just a few that I that I think, okay, these are some of the best 24-7, no, no, no games. These people don't have to go back to whatever it might be. And in some cases, they're innocent. In some cases, they were thrown in for nothing. In some cases, they just didn't have the bail money to get the heck out. Rich people don't have that problem. I think the bail bond system is one of the most disgusting, unjust things we've ever done in this country. But that's another story. So... It's building those bridges. And look, if you need a mechanic right now because your car's broken down, you may, you may very well not know Jesus, and, and, and I'll be happy to share him with you, but I'm not going to force feed you while I'm fixing your car because I'm a mechanic and <laughs> my capacity and my, you, what you need is your car fixed. Yeah. We opened our shelter many, many years ago. It actually began by inviting people in off the street to our own building and we ended up putting pallets on the floor every night. Um, and it was full. Our dining room was absolutely wall-to-wall -wall people every night. And one of the local aldermen came by and said, you know, you really do need a separate sheltered building. And you could do a whole lot more and we can help. And, uh, I mean, we had been arch enemies. But all of a sudden, we got to know her and she got to know us. And we had a lot more in common than we ever thought we had which by the way happens all the time if you care about humans and you meet somebody else that cares about humans. Eh? I, I just, it's off the charts. I mean, almost every week, there's another photo at Cornerstone Community Outreach, Chicago, of one more person, male, female, couple. We, we, have, we have intact families, uh, single, single husband or single dad or moms with two or three kids, but also mom, dad, three kids, veterans veterans uh, ended up homeless. Any number of things went down. Folks that deal with mental illness, all the rest. But about every week, there'll be another face up on the site. You know, congratulations, Linda. And she's standing there holding the keys to her apartment. She's no longer homeless. She has a job. She's clean and sober. You know, I mean, it's just, Christians have got to get the heck out of living a self-centered life. I mean, that's all I can tell you. And yeah. if we're not willing to bring what we have to the table to serve people, then I don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. What else are we supposed to do? What else? When, look, when they were up there on the hillside hungry, Jesus looks at the disciples and says, well, what do you have? Well, all we got is a few loaves and a few fish. You're going to give them our lunch? 
yeah, it's exactly what I'm going to do. Because now your lunch is no longer only your lunch. Welcome to the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of self. And the miracle, check this out. The miracle was done when they gave him their lunch. Yeah. And he gave it back to them and said, now you take it and feed the people. Man, that is a, that is a, that is a paradigm, a principle and a reality. And nobody went away hungry, including the disciples. How do you see young people participating with Jesus People USA? How do you see young people giving their lunch with, along with you? By living what we preach and by preaching these things, by teaching and talking, but it's ultimately by example. There's no short form. There really isn't. Look, you and I have, there are a zillion tools. There are a zillion websites. You know, what you're doing right now, your video series. I mean, there's a zillion ways we can communicate and you can, you can, how many books are there? How many seminars? How many conferences? How many everything? Look, I've been there. I've done it. I've been doing this my whole life, right? When people hear what rings in their mind and heart is integrity, they're encouraged. The younger folks that we keep seeing who move into our community 24-7, maybe for six months, maybe a year, maybe 20 years, maybe they get married and have kids and, you know, a lot of them have. Something clicked within their own mind, within their own heart. Some of these folks, you know, we, we, we allow people, we, we suss out who comes in. We do a, a long series of background checks, and we really have to in, in this day and age. Mm-hmm. But when people live and move in and are part of Jesus People USA on a full-time basis, there's a lot of vetting. But ultimately, I would have to say the, answer to, the direct answer to your question is we, we try to live it out by example. We love each other. We learn to forgive one another. We we don't purposely grab one another by the ears and yell when we disagree. And believe me, and this is this is true of almost every ministry of almost not every capital E, but I would say almost every ministry, every local church, every missionary society or group, every denomination, house church, go down the list. Unless it's really small and people are pretty immature and maybe you have some pretty dominating leaders as opposed to servant leaders who really and truly are willing to listen, give and take and be patient. What you have is you have disagreement about how to do everything and anything at any moment in time, but it just isn't being voiced or the complete other out of balance and both of these are false balances. The other end of the spectrum is a lot of discord and disunity and enmity. And here comes another split. Here comes another acrimony. Here comes all the little infighting and clicks, you know, and uh, so-and-so. I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. La, 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 la. Well, we don't, we're not in lockstep here in Jesus people, not politically, not in terms of every uh, the old King James would say every jot and tittle of doctrine. You know, we're not all, we're splitting hairs with each other and being rude, obnoxious, and ornery. You know, I just, I having a bad day. Like the, I didn't think I liked the way the coffee got made this morning. I mean, whatever, you know, we're, we can be as petty and stupid as anybody. And, and, and I, I am, we are, you know. But there's something about being honest about that. And 
and still living and serving and working in the various areas, uh, not, and not just of outreach, but also of all of the infrastructure stuff. I mean, you know, it, when it's my turn, I take out the garbage. Uh, I, I sweep and mop the foyer. I, you know, uh, a couple of weeks now, uh, I'll be uh, cooking spaghetti on Sunday. Uh, and I'm not the head cook. And you know, I, I just good, good thing. We'd all be, I mean, I can, I can cook burgers and, you know, I can, I can work a smoker pretty good. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I forget about me cooking spaghetti for, you know, 300, 400 people, right. In a, in a, in a big kitchen. So thank God Hilda knows what she's doing and I can just, she just tells me what to do and I do it. Right. So learning that, that iron sharpening iron community that sent, and whether you're living in an intentional community, like I do, that that's not the point. And I don't think that that's an app. That's right. an absolute or something. Right. Everybody, everybody isn't called to do what I do the way I do it or where I do it. Yeah. And I think that's true for you, for me, for everybody. So learning to get along with people right where you are, I think the example is what does it, Paul. I think the example is, is what does it. You are 100% right, Glenn. You are 100% right because youth workers that are listening and watching this right now are saying, how do I reach students? How do I minister the gospel? And you're saying, listen, just be authentic, be humble, be willing to apologize to somebody younger than you that maybe you made a mistake in our world of perfection. Uh, and I think that's such a critical, critical key to that. First Corinthians chapter 13, which is the quintessential chapter on Paul, Paul's, Paul, Apostle Paul is defining what love, God's love, real love, eternal love, the only eternal love there is, by the way, what it is and what it is not. And he says, love is, he starts out with love is patient. When he starts going down the list within that chapter, love is patient, love is kind. And I've often told people, if I was a bit more patient, I'd probably be a lot more kind. But then it goes on, and Paul says two things that I quote all the time that I think are really essential. When you use the word perfection, perfect, usually, not always, but usually in the New Testament, that word would better be rendered into English complete, mature, not sinless or flawless as God is. When it refers to God, even then on occasion, the Greek word, the idiom, and in context, talking about perfection as we think of that term it's, it's about being but sometimes it is when it's talking about him he goes on and he says two other things that i don't hear quoted much and i quote him all the time for years now now at the present time i have in part partial knowledge partial understanding partial everything i mean i'm just i'm not perfect huh? yeah now before the lord comes back and we're done with all this now, at the present time, we know or have in part partial. So, again, we're back to humility, Paul. We're yeah. back to the nobody has it all down. Yeah. We all, one translation renders it uh, in James uh, on the tongue. We all often make many mistakes. Wow. There's a complete statement. <laughs> I can't remember which translation that's one of the English uh, versions. But, you know, so you end up with this. This thing of humility, of integrity, of the willingness to live by example. Yeah, share the good news, but live the good news. The power of the good news is that people see good news in your life. They see Jesus through you, in you, working in you, um, bringing you not only forgiveness, but moving in you 
to where you forgive others and uh, and you seek their forgiveness. You know, you're willing to admit you're wrong. What a concept. I mean, so, you know, it's just, this is like not, none of this is rocket science. Yeah. But I think living those things out and being conscious of them and rem- being reminded, reminding yourself of them, you know, uh, and then in relationship with, with people, I think this is what speaks deepest. Hey, come on. Uh, I've been a, a parent. I, I still am a grandfather. Yeah. Um, I interact with people all the time. A, a bunch of our flesh and blood family live and serve with us. Some don't, you know, been there, done that. And, and I'm continue and continuing to grow up, <laughs> uh, you know, um, it's, it, it just, we're not in this life. We can beat ourselves up trying to please. And by the way, yeah, there's a sense, I'm not saying rebel against leadership in your church or in a, in a ministry or anything like that. When I say this, I'm not, I don't, I don't mean that. Don't walk around a chip on your shoulder and attitude. You obviously know more than everybody else. Well, if you knew everything, why would you be listening to or watching this this interview, why, why would you give a rip about, why would you read books? Why would you study? Why would you go to school? Why would you go to university or whatever? Why would you take courses on anything? Because you already know it all, right? So I think the problem is that sometimes if we're not careful, we're so focused on, um, I'm perfect, you know, I'm or I have to be, uh, or I might lose my job. Well, I'll tell you what, you know what's worse than losing your job? Losing a relationship with good and godly people or people that are very much on the bubble and perhaps coming to the Lord, willing to grow, willing to actually make some uh, some headway, if in fact they're able to maintain. And you, it's not always on you. It's not always on me, of course, or on the other on you. But it's on the other person too to have relationship going. So this all this stuff is stuff that is it's so much part of marriage, yep. family. And we haven't always seen it modeled in those areas in our own lives. So that's where it becomes a little difficult when you're working with, you know, a handful of kids and maybe, or one, you know, the incorrigible, ornery, hormone-laden, and perhaps abuse on any number of levels. Um, legitimately, a uh, uh, younger person, you know, and all of a sudden you just want to throw up your hands and be done with them. Or maybe I'm in the wrong place. Maybe I shouldn't be a youth pastor. You know, maybe I just should get out of here. And uh, well, I mean, that that's obviously always an option, but I, I think it does come back down to those basic issues of character and the willingness to build bridges and not walls. 100%, Glenn. Well, let me let me ask this question. Uh, you, let's talk music for just a minute. You put an album out uh, last year, right, uh, about Swamp, Swamp Gas Messiah. Can you tell us, tell, tell the audience a little bit about that? Because I know you're still making music. You're still uh, uh, writing songs. <laughs> yeah, tell well, me about the album. Swamp Gas Messiahs, um, over a period of years, I wrote songs that just, there's no other way to say it. They're protest songs. And I'm talking a lot about the history of our nation, the history of conquest, uh, really a history of injustice in many ways. And Again, people aren't always willing to talk about our sin, um, the sins of the past, which, by the way, affect the sins of the present. And so, you know, like I said earlier, I'm an independent voter. Um, There are certain things on the left 
that I wouldn't agree with? Not many, but there are some. And there are a few things on the right that I do agree with, but frankly, not many. I've probably been 85, 80, 85% to the left most of my life, okay? And that's a long story as to why. But I have to tell you that God's word from Genesis 1-1 to the end of the book of Revelation is what absolutely moves me, motivates me. I don't think there's any other word of God, and certainly it's not the U.S. Constitution, though I think that's a pretty remarkable document. Like the scripture, we interpret as we interpret. The problem is when we don't interpret the same as the next person, now we've got a riff and we've got a chasm, we've got a disagreement. Um, I'm not afraid of uh, people disagreeing with me. Really, I'm not even afraid of people hating me. What I get concerned about is where are they coming from in their own lives? And it takes time to find that out. Um, you have to do some listening. You have to do some yeah, asking questions and in such a way that you don't pin people up against the wall. And whether it's in youth ministry, pastoral concern that way, or just, you know, as a lead pastor in a, in a huge or a little church, um, you know, in terms of numbers, whether it's talking to some hardcore, I just assume spit on you, you piece of dirt biker, uh, you know, some dude part of a, of a gang, a uh, bike gang or otherwise, whether I see some thug in Believe me, I see them all the time in in uh, jails and prisons who think, what kind of a jerk idiot is this old fat white guy? You know, it's cool, man. I, I, you know, they don't know me. Yeah. So it's a matter of building relationships, dealing with those issues. And so Swamp Gas Messiahs, 18 songs that are absolutely going to get up the nose of sort of the hardcore, very right wing patriots. Um, because I'm talking really about the sins of our past and very much the sins of the present. Uh, the fact that there is no Messiah but Jesus, and that at the end of the day, if your focus is simply on, look, I, I don't have a problem with it in my life, so there ain't no problem. That's, that's just dumb. I'm sorry, it's, and it's wrong. And uh, if we don't understand why that makes people upset or, or causes people to finally want to get out in the street, and demonstrate, we're not thinking beyond our own front door. But this is, again, I've alluded to it in this in this discussion, Paul. That's always the issue is the kingdom of self um, and not looking past our front door. And as long as things are cool in my in my ballpark, what are you what are you freaking out about? You know, you know, uh, you, you're not walking in a, a mile in the other person's moccasins. You don't you know, you've never been maybe dirt poor. Um, so it's time to wake up and do some study and do some homework. Oh, no, no, no. Just they, 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 they just all need to come to know Jesus. Well, you're right. They do. And they're not going to come to Jesus through you. Because you've eliminated the opportunity to build a relationship and maybe even to learn a few things about your own prejudices and your own smallness of heart and mind. And I don't care if you're on the far right or the far left. I, I look. I know godly people and knuckleheads all over the place. <laughs> I yeah. am. I've been one. I am one. You know. <laughs> me too. So, me too. Come on. Again, let's humble ourselves a little bit and admit nobody's got it all down. And so that album is an in-your-face. Now there's another album after Swamp Gas Messiahs uh, that is recorded. It's not all done. Uh, I think all of my parts are done. I'm not sure yet, but I think. 
Um, and it's called Ain't No Bars, in parentheses, Around My, around my Heart. Um, and it deals a, a lot with the kind of things people probably need to think about in, in jail, prison, incarcerated folks. And the boil down is this. Um, that particular project, Song for Song, I don't know how else to say it. It's like blues worship. Hmm. It's almost all vertical, lyrically but it's either acoustic or a lot of electric and full band, even background singers gonna, we don't have, there's some B3 organ needs to be put on it in a few songs, that sort of, hopefully that'll come out this next year. Um, as I say, these, maybe a podcast book or so, um, and eventually maybe in print, but you can find a lot of this stuff through gerrecords.com. And um, if you come to glennkaiser.com or you go up on Facebook or uh, Twitter, you'll find me. Oh, no question. And Glenn, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. I want to say that, first of all, the the, the album, uh, Swamp Gas Massage, is great. I listened to, I think it's called The Principle of Principle. It's very Jack White. It's very, I, I love, I love that song. Uh, and I just want to say thank you for your time. Thank you for your ministry all these years. And thank you for just being an authentic uh, believer of Jesus. Well, thank you. Uh, it's kind of you. This was an interview of a lifetime for me because I got to hear from somebody who strongly influenced my faith uh, through his music. And Glenn Kaiser offered to you today and offered to me today as I listened uh, some great words of wisdom, uh, advice, and insight. And I hope that uh, you heard something that resonated with you. And if you did, would you go over to the Facebook group? I'm going to post some questions there. I'm going to post some quotes, some extra clips, things like that. So if you would like to engage with this, and I hope you do uh, want to engage with this, because I think there's maybe some things in there that are worthy of discussion, especially in regards to youth ministry. So please go over to the Facebook group and share your insight. What did you learn? What did you get from this interview with uh, Glenn Kaiser? And um, that's it, guys. That's it for today. GlennKaiser.com, GerRecords.com, at Glenn Kaiser on Twitter, and uh, also Glenn Kaiser Facebook group. You can check out all those out in the show notes. Links will be there. And thank you guys so much for listening today, being a part of the show today. We'd love to hear your comments. Don't forget, if you really like the show and you'd like to leave a review, please go over to iTunes, leave a few stars. And uh, if you do, I'll be happy to read your four or five star comment right here on the show like I did at the beginning. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much. And uh, don't forget, if you haven't heard lately that you're doing a good job, you're doing a good job. You keep it up. You'll get better, as we all do. That's it for today. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. You've been listening to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast with Paul Turner. Visit thedisciplesproject.net to find out more about how you can join the ministry-minded coaching group for bi-monthly coaching sessions that will help you build a successful youth ministry. 